Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Raising Eco Minimalists. Today, I am joined by what I'm going to guess are two familiar guests, Jen Panero of Honestly Modern and Jess Purcell of Thoughtfully Sustainable. And as I mentioned, they were previous guests, and so they're actually our first repeat guests, and this is the first time that we've had more than one guest. So I'm super excited for our conversation today which will be about raising global citizens. However, I want to hear from Jess and Jen on what they've been up to since we last chatted. Well, hey, Laura, this is Jess. Thanks so much for having us back. I'm pretty honored that we're the first time that you're the second guest and two together. That's pretty awesome. Um, since I chatted with you last year, I'm still homeschooling, but now I'm homeschooling a kindergartner and a fourth grader. My son's now in the big leagues of kindergarten, so um, trying to do that, successfully trying to do that, and also turn in some of the lessons that we're doing. Obviously, my uh, nerd science self loves to do a lot of science with them, so trying to take a lot of the lessons that we're doing with science and upcycling and environmental science stuff and turning them into lessons for others on my blog, Thoughtfully Sustainable. Great. Thank you for the update. And Jen, how about you? Yeah. So I'm Jen Panero. I have, since the last time we chatted, I've continued to work on kind of building out some more online resources through Honestly Modern and then also through Wastewell, which is what we talked about last time, some composting type of thing, building out resources for families looking to pursue more eco-friendly lifestyles. So that's working on that stuff. That's awesome. And there is a reason that not only are you guys back, besides the fact that we had fun, at least I did, on our previous conversations, (laughs) but you ladies have kind of joined as real-life friends. So you hopped off Instagram, became real-life friends, and you started a website and you also have an Instagram of Raising Global Citizens, and you were also co-authors of a book which was Raising Global Citizens. And so we are going to be chatting about both those things today. So let's start with your creation, Raising Global Citizens. Can you tell us about what it is and what inspired you both to start it? Sure. So yeah, so like you mentioned, Laura, we it, it sort of came about, I have had a project that I was working on for years, really, putting together picture book lists to go along with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I finally got these picture book lists put together. So there's one list that aligns with, with each of the goals. And I had shared it on my blog and um, put together a coloring poster to actually hired an artist to make a coloring poster that goes along with that journey, learning about the sustainable development goals. And Jess found it and she saw and she was like, you need to make reading comprehension and comparison questions. You need to make some educational resources that go along with these book lists so that people can take them and do something with them. And so as we sort of talked about what that project might look like, it grew into what ultimately became Raising Global Citizens. So that's a separate set that we have that you mentioned, Laura, 
where we create a bunch of resources, educational resources that are all built around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that assist like parents and teachers and caregivers ultimately in an effort to raise responsible global citizens. While that was happening, it's sort of a little bit serendipitous, we also were both approached to be contributing authors to a book called How to Raise a Global Citizen. And so we, we both contributed our parts to that book and these things have all kind of come together in a way that just seems to make a lot of sense. And so now we're working on building out that site, Raising Global Citizens, and having that book to go along with it. That's such a cool story. And I, it just seems like everything kind of fell along the right path for this to happen for both of you and to create this amazing resource. You mentioned the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. I will be a thousand percent honest. And before you started sharing about it from Raising Global Citizens, I guess I didn't, I wasn't super familiar with them. So for those who are out there that are like me, can you talk about what those are? Sure. So the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are kind of a broad set of goals developed by the United Nations, as the name implies with the ultimate intent to lift everyone around the world out of poverty. So the first goal is no poverty, followed shortly thereafter by no hunger. And as the United Nations was developing these goals, it became pretty clear that there were many aspects to creating a world that had no poverty, that, that it was going to require efforts in a lot of different areas, not just, you know, economic development and sort of feeding people. And so while it's unlikely that all poverty will ever be eradicated, and the United Nations acknowledges that as well, the intention of the goals have sort of broad and positive impacts when pursued through really intentional means. So at their most basic level, the goals provide a framework for everyone from individuals, small nonprofits, all the way up through large multinational corporations and governments to consider how to grow and serve their communities in a way that moves us all towards more prosperity. So those goals include, like I mentioned, there's no poverty, no hunger, but they also include things like clean water and sustainable resource consumption, quality education, gender equality. So there are like, there's 17 goals. They all have different underlying tenets to them. And the intent is that when you think about them holistically, that we can really use them as a guide or building blocks to create a world that just is, is more, offers more prosperity for everybody on the planet. And I think part of the thing that I liked about it is because it's developed by the United Nations, as opposed to say like one, one country or a handful of big countries, it really has you know, the United Nations has tentacles that are reaching influence from all the different countries in the world, or effectively all of them. And so you're getting really influence and input on those goals from a wide array of people and communities. So they seem to encompass the word sustainable, as I like to think of it, where it's more than just green living, but it's sustainable communities. It's social it's uh, it's uh, more than than just eco-friendly swaps kind of a thing is that correct okay yeah far more than that yep okay cool can you give some examples of a couple of activities or resources that you've created and how they match up to uh, one of the goals 
Sure. Jess, you want to take that one? Sure, absolutely. So um, with each goal, we've tried to work through hitting subject areas that teachers or parents or caregivers might want to either implement into their classrooms or just implement over an afternoon on the weekend or even a dinner conversation. And so take, for example, the first goal that Jen uh, pointed out, which was no poverty. So we created an entire workbook that Jen went to our library and found an array of books that addressed poverty from different viewpoints. We certainly didn't want this to be an Americanized viewpoint of what poverty looks like. And so Jen found an entire array of different children's books. And then we took those books and read through them and created some comprehensive questions and comparison questions to get parents and kids and teachers not just reading the books and having some simple comprehension about where this country is or what poverty looks like in one part of the world compared to another, but really digging into even more of the social aspect of why poverty exists, what it looks like in different areas, and what can be done to help raise people out of poverty. And so we try to touch on different contents to be able to make sure that these resources are accessible to the English language arts teacher, just as well as they would be to a math teacher or a history teacher. So writing those in that lens, we make sure that we've got different components of different subject areas so that this kind of topic could be integrated into any classroom. Because as a former teacher, the biggest problem of bringing in new material is time. And so if we can create resources that align with teachers' current goals already in the classroom, maybe they're teaching addition, maybe they're teaching sentence writing or paragraph creation. If we can give them a base of sustainable development goals as their medium to be able to teach those core tenets of their curriculum, that's kind of where we're trying to get to. Yeah. And there's a couple other, so that's a really great example of like an English language arts type of lesson that we've done. We also have other types of activities too. So one of my favorites is we have a whole workbook on renewable energy and that is focused mostly has like a science lens to it. So it includes actually hands-on activities where you're building a solar oven or you're doing an experiment to look at the difference between how dark materials and light materials absorb heat and then reflecting on, you know, what is that, what are the results of that experiment mean for sustainable construction or, you know, how we might build something or what we, the clothes we might wear when we're thinking about, you know, as, as the world heats up, how do we manage some of those um, those situations. So there's science. And then the we actually have our next lesson that we're coming out with is related to, the, it's all about the Paralympics. And so hasn't launched quite yet. Jess and I are finishing it up now. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be launched. But with that one, we took a focus on reduced inequalities, which is one of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And we have activities related to a variety of different topics. So math, geography, reading comprehension, writing skills, and they all focus on different elements of really celebrating the Paralympics, celebrating, you know, diversity or, um, you know, people who have disabilities and 
how they kind of fit into our everyday life. So there's just, we, we, we make lots of different lessons based that incorporate everything from current events to relevant science to social issues and try to, like Jess said, give teachers an opportunity to bring that into their classroom in a way that is pretty simple for them. I think that's awesome. And I, as you, you were explaining the UN goals, I was thinking, and I believe it was, I, one of you said, I don't remember, but that it was not just, I think it was just, not just from an American point of view for these issues. And so not only are we helping children have a more worldview of these issues, but it makes the content applicable and probably more approachable for people around the world that are interested. So I think that's super cool. And actually, as on a little side note, a little yeah. plug, the coloring poster that we made, it's been downloaded in, in terms of being relevant to people in other countries. The coloring poster, it's free. It's on our website. You can download it. Uh, you can print it out on, you know, an eight and a half by 11 or an A4, which is a paper that's about a letter, letter size in Europe and other countries. You can also print it out on a giant sheet that's like three feet by four feet or however big you want to make it. But that has actually been downloaded in over 30 countries. So there are definitely people finding it relevant in other places besides just the United States. Yeah, that is super cool. Congrats on that. I'll link to that uh, in the show notes so that if you are interested in downloading that for the kids in your life, you can find it right there. So you've mentioned a lot about creating this content for teachers and schools and stuff, which is super great and helpful, but is it also for parents that just want to introduce some of these topics at home as well? Absolutely. We've created Raising Global Kittisons for parents just as much as for teachers and honestly, even for kids to be able to come on and find resources that they might be interested in learning more. Like Jen pointed out, the solar oven project that we did to try to introduce not only how solar energy works, but how people in other countries rely on solar power as their means for cooking to try to get them away from wood-burning fires inside homes, which then causes air pollution, which then causes health problems. And so something like that, I know with my own two kids, we did that activity at home in the summer, and it was fabulous. We made s'mores in the solar oven. Mm -hmm. They thought it was the best thing ever. And we took a shoebox and we put it in the sun and a couple alterations to the shoebox. And now all of a sudden we're cooking s'mores without fire. So I think as much as we're intending this to teach children um, and children of all ages, I think Jen would agree that we're also using this to teach parents as well, to see how applicable these different sustainable development goals and these different attitude changes towards energy use, food use can really kind of transcend your, your life at home. And you can use them, the resources at home with your kids just as much as you could use them in a classroom. I think that's great. I think it also is just a really open, welcoming invitation, I guess, for parents to come along on the learning journey with kids. Because I think so often, especially when it comes to some of these harder topics, that to bring up with kids that we think we need to know all the answers and 
we we don't most of the time at least I don't <laughs> and so I, I appreciate being able to learn together what a cool experience that you get to do fun things but also be able to apply it to so many different areas of not only people's lives but the world too so let's back up and let's chat about what is a global kitizen do you have a kind of a definition that you go off of or or tell us what that means sure so i would say if we're going to define a global kitizen it's a young person that is aware of their interconnectedness with the rest of the world and they're also aware of the role that they play in being a responsible citizen of the planet and that that actually i think leads right into we can go to the second part of this which is about the book how to raise a global citizen and the book is one it's great if you are not familiar with it or haven't read it maybe you've heard of it definitely see if your local library has it or uh, it can be found in most places local bookstores request it all that stuff but it's it's so easily digestible and it's broken up into different sections how how did that come to fruition for you both and how did you come in so it was pretty interesting and i think jen had a similar experience so a representative from dk books reached out to both of us via email just to inquire if we'd be interested in contributing to a book that included seven international blogging parents whose work focuses uh, on raising globally minded citizens, but from various perspectives. Um, Jen and I happen to only be the only two Americans on the book. Everyone, all the other contributors were from Europe. And we were led by a chief writer and editor. Her name is Anna Davidson. She's fabulous. And she kind of spearheaded the topics that we were given that really spoke to our particular strengths. From the team of writers, we covered raising global citizens from a diversity and equity perspective to raising multilingual children in a home to raising multiracial families to helping families be more responsible stewards of their communities. So we all seven of us parents, and then Anna as our lead, came to this idea of raising global citizens from really unique backgrounds. And our lead writer kind of designed the basic structure of the book, which Laura, you, you touched on. It's broken up into six sections. Some of the topics are like love the planet or build a community, explore together. Uh, and then within these sections, it's divided into four to five subsections that were designed to address the main topic. And then within these sections, we were given liberty to create content that spoke to that particular subtopic from our own. And so it was it was kind of fun writing because we were doing this, I guess we started writing right at the end of 2020, the beginning of 2020. So everything's done via email. Everyone's a parent. So everyone has kids running around and seem to be emailing like in the middle of the night or very early in the morning. And, and everyone kind of understood that we were all trying to do this one grand thing, but in very odd circumstances. So it was, it was a really fun experience. And I would just, just to add like a little color to sort of how it came to fruition. I think Jess, like a responsible adult, 
she got the email and she responded because that's what you do when someone asks you if you want to contribute to a book. I got the email and I thought, this can't be real. And I just kind of ignored it. And I, my email is a mess. Like it's my inbox is just full of, I don't know, I, I'm terrible about keeping it organized. But um, luckily the editor was kind enough to reach back out with a second email and say like, hey, did you want to do this? And I thought, oh my gosh, this is actually real. Like, yes, I'm going to do it. And so, yeah, like lesson and actually maybe read your email because once in a while something important is going to come up. So, and, and in fairness, I do read my email. It, it just got lost. But no, I think it's funny that I almost just let this really great opportunity slide by. Just, you know, I, I thought there's no way this is real. Like right. someone's asking me to write in a book. Like, how is this possible? Well, that's exactly um, it. You're right. Yeah. Because like you see the, the DK tag, like underneath the email, and I read it a couple times and I even showed my husband, I'm like, can you believe this? Like, I'm not right. sure. Maybe this is a scam. Maybe they're going to exactly. ask me to pay them so that I can contribute. I don't know. Mm. And then I don't know, it was months later when Jen and I were talking about something else. And I think Jen brought it up. She's like, you know, you know, working on contributing to a book. And I was like, what book might that be? And then we were both working on it. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's so funny. It sounds really cool, though. And to note, Laura, too, it was nice because, especially in this more sustainable space and education space, I seem to find myself always speaking to other moms or other women. But mm. on this team, there are actually two male bloggers that are working on the same thing and speaking from a dad's perspective. And so for anyone listening, thinking it might just be a, a book that's written by all women, it is not. There are actually two dads on the author list as well. And they bring a great perspective. Yeah, I really appreciated that as well as I was reading through it. And just to share for anyone listening, it's so digestible. And as as Jess and Jen were mentioning, it's it's a little bit of intro on the topic. And then there's, you know, there'll be like a little short page about I think, Jen, you talked about your birthday parties for your kids and how you keep them simple. And mm -hmm. then it's like there's a, an experiment from Jess. And it's just and then there's like little action steps, like very small, obtainable steps that you can take. And it's just it's so cool. It's such a cool book. And I'm so excited to know two people from it so I can just talk about it with you. What's one of your favorite parts from the book? Jen, do you want me to go or do you want to go? Yeah, I, I Jess, you can take that one. Okay. I don't know that I had a favorite part, so okay. I'll, I'll let you take that one. All right. So I really love, there's a section called Speak Out, which highlights the power of speech and instilling confidence in your children to use their voices, but to use them respectfully and responsibly to be able to stand up for what they believe is right and just. And it really spoke to me because... I also hadn't thought of not only is the power of spoken word so important to build confidence in your students to stand up for, you know, things that they see that are inappropriate or are not equal, but it also highlights the power of unspoken language and how something like a simple smile can really break down language barriers, as well as the importance of exposing your kids to multiple languages, not so much just to make your kids smarter because they can speak two languages, but to normalize language so that if someone hears 
a different language, their ultimate response isn't, ooh, that was weird. What is that? Those are different sounds coming from that individual. But to instead instill the beauty of spoken word and that words in multiple languages are such, it's so interesting. And I'd never thought of language that way. I think I'd always approached language as, okay, I need to teach my kids another language or try to expose them to another language so that they'll be better functioning adults in society or they'll be smarter or, you know, that part of the brain that can process multiple languages, that's building something. I never thought about how exposing them to languages would take away prejudices that they may inadvertently have that they don't realize, thinking that something sounds weird or something sounds different. So that was, that was probably my favorite part of the book. Yeah, that was a really, really interesting part because I had the same thoughts as you as well about just learning about uh, learning second language and and such. Did you learn anything new from any of your co-authors and their content? Well, I definitely like coming from that whole language section. There are two authors. One, her name is Dr. Annabelle Humanes, and she is raising a family to be multilingual. I believe she has three children and they travel all over Europe. And so she is raising her kids to have at least three languages spoken in her home. And she talks about how it's so very important to do that, to be able to have an appreciation, not only for your own native language, but exposing kids to other languages. And so heard that whole piece I just said about, you know, breaking down prejudices that came from her. And I was so inspired by that, that I was like, huh, I got to pull out my old Spanish books and try to get my kids, you know, even more excited about other languages, (laughs) not just from, you know, so they can say one to 10, but so that they're used to hearing other languages Hmm. um, and the beauty in them. Yeah. Yeah. My son is also in kindergarten and he, they have kindergarten Spanish and he's learning about body parts right now. And it's been fun. He's teaching me. I'm not uh, very good at Spanish at all. So he's teaching me, but it's been fun to, as to listen to him say the words for the body parts. And then we've been able to talk about how some of the words sound very similar in the English language and some that are, are very different. And so he's starting to pick up on those pieces and it's I just think that's kind of cool to be able to recognize those things so and it does build such respect too because again once again as Americans you know we learn English and everyone else seems to learn it too so we're not challenged to learn it so I think if nothing else it's also building respect for so many other cultures Mm. who learn their own native language or languages yes and then learn English and then Mm -hmm. Also, maybe they go on to learn French or Spanish or Mandarin, so they're well-rounded. So I feel like we're kind of behind the eight ball as American parents. And I should speak personally for myself. I am behind the eight ball. Many people do a very good job of uh, incorporating bilingual education into their homes. And so it really pushes me to think, all right, I've got to do more. Yeah, and I think trying to help a kid learn to read shows how confusing the English language can be because he'll ask me questions about something that, you know, like words that are spelled different, but are pronounced the same. Like, why is that? I was like, 
I, dude, I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, that has been something that I've become very aware of. So we're starting to get uh, close on time here. So where can we find the book? Uh, I know I mentioned everywhere, but is that actually true? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can find the book in a lot of different bookstores, independent bookstores, online. You can look at your local bookseller. And then you, my favorite place to find the books is the library. So if your library doesn't have a copy, maybe encourage them to get a copy or donate a copy if that's in your means. You can find it in a lot of different places. Yeah. Awesome. I will be sure to link to a couple of different places in the show notes and so you can check it out there. All right. So two final questions. Can you share two to three tips on how we, meaning those of us who have kids in our lives raising kids, can get started raising global kittens? Sure, I'll go first. So my first tip would be expose your kids to different cultures through whatever means your kids are interested in. So maybe that means different languages. Maybe that means different foods. Maybe that's music. Maybe that's an international sporting event. Anything that exposes them to the wider world and allow them to make connections between themselves and kids in other parts of the world to support the idea that we as global citizens are more alike than we're different. I would also say that to help them see their role in the natural world, to foster a love and responsibility to care for the earth. So get them outside, get them to learn what their backyard is like, what's there and get them a little bit more exposed to just what their local community, their natural community entails. And then finally, I'd say to give your kids actionable ways that they can contribute to their community. And that doesn't, that sounds like a big challenge, but that could be something as simple as building a bird feeder and hanging it outside so that they feel that they're caring for their backyard birds. Or maybe if you have the ability to plant a vegetable garden and then share, share some of your vegetables with your neighbors. Or if you can, and as we move through different transitions of this pandemic, if you are able to get back out into the community and volunteer with others, I think it's such a great example in this world where we are surrounded by the selfie generation that if we can take ourselves to the side and really see that we are a community and we're not just all these individuals walking down these same paths, building that feeling of community, I feel is really important if we're going to make uh, responsible citizens out of our kids. So from my perspective, I am an avid reader, so books are always a default for me when it comes to seeing the world through the eyes of others. Our local library has a maximum of 99 books out at one time, and I have been known to max out my library card. So I've taken a lot of books out of the library over the last many years. And part of the reason I do that is just, you know, from my kids' perspective, is just having lots and lots of books around about different things and different people, different communities. And sort of leaving those books around the house. And honestly, my kids don't always read all the books that I bring home, but I'm leaving them on their bedside table or the floor in their bedroom and, you know, or the playroom, wherever it is. And 
you might be surprised how often they just happen to pick up a book that you leave around. And sometimes they're picking up books, you know, a week or two after I bring them home. So it's not like I'm forcing them to read these books. Sometimes they read a few pages or a few chapters and set them down and never come back to them. So I think the library, you know, being a free option, it gives us an opportunity to bring so many different books into our house that give our, you know, a window into a lot of different worlds. So that would be the, you know, one thing that I definitely think people could, if they're not already taking advantage of, definitely learning how to use your local library. And if you're a little nervous about it, don't hesitate to ask the librarian for help. That is what they're there for. That's what they love. So just go in and tell them, you know, these are the kind of books I want to read. Can you help me find them? And I'm sure they'll do an amazing job of doing that. So that would be the first thing is, is books. You know, there's just so much to learn through books. And then following up on Jess's idea about exposing kids to like different cultures, I think that we can think about that from an international perspective. And we can also think about it really at home too. So I know, I think most of us probably live somewhere where, you know, our community maybe has a certain culture, but the town over or a couple town overs might be, towns over might be kind of different from where we live. And so, you know, something as simple as um, trying different grocery stores or visiting restaurants in different neighborhoods, particularly if they have some sort of ethnic focus where you can expose your children to different flavors and different foods and things like that, you know, taking your kids into the city or taking them out into rural areas where life is different just to see that people live in different ways, even, you know, within five or 10 miles of, from where you live, I think can be a really helpful way to just help kids appreciate that, you know, what, sort of what's like us. And then there's all these people out there that are not like us, but are still, you know, really valuable and have a lot to offer. And we can learn from them and they can learn from us and, and things like that. So, you know, it doesn't even have to be, you know, helping like Jeff mentioned as a, as a volunteering option. It's really great. It can also just be, who do I see out in the world? You know, who do I see at Target? Who do I see at the grocery store? Are there people who look the same as me or different than me? And so I think that just being intentional about where you spend your time and what types of activities you're doing within your own community or larger community or region can really help your kids see that there's a lot of different people in the world. Yeah, I totally agree. I love all those tips. So thank you for sharing your wisdom on that. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll wrap up here. And I will, as I mentioned, be sure to put a link to how to raise a global citizen. I will put a link to Jess and Jen's website, Raising Global Citizens, and I will also put a link to their individual websites, which are Honestly Modern for Jen and Thoughtfully Sustainable for Jess. Thank you so much for coming back on the show and talking about your two projects here. Thanks for Thanks having us. Thanks so much for having us.